to Adventist Voices Spectrum's podcast. I'm Alexander Carpenter, and I am very honored to be joined today by Caleb Isley, friend of the show and human of Adventism. Thanks for joining us today. I am always excited to be working with Spectrum. Thanks for having me. Well, it's great to hear that. Um, I always like seeing the creative work that you're doing, uh, both visually and um, in writing. And uh, congratulations on your new project that's been out for a couple of months, the Humans of Adventism documentary series, 10 parts. Uh, Thank you so much for uh, doing the work on this and creating such a beautiful product. Yeah, I'm very lucky to be part of it. I know I put a lot of work into it, but but I also feel like a receiver of it. I'm I'm excited to be part of it for sure. So I'd like to talk to you about it, go kind of into depth about your collaboration there with Justin Koo and also your work with the Adventist Learning Community and the North American Division. and in addition to that, just kind of check in with you and, and see what's up. So maybe let's start out with that. Um, the last time I talked to you was, uh, I don't know, kind of pre-quarantine. We were talking about <laughs> general conference session and sort of that normal Adventist calendar. Yeah. Obviously, things have changed a lot. And uh, just tell us how you're doing up there in in the great city of Portland. Yeah, I, I really feel like the past 365 days has been the closest to the the end times <laughs> as I've lived through. Um, every event, I'm told, this is a once-in-a-generation event, and I've been through four um, in, in the past year. Um, we had, of course, we were trying to prepare creative projects for General Conference when the pandemic hit. Um, I've spent most of the past year working on a inherently social activity in pandemic lockdowns yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, regulations and everything. Um, on top of that, Portland was a, a central hub for months and months and months of ongoing protests centered around police brutality and black lives matter. Yeah. Um, this was national news. Mm-hmm. Um, on top of that, we had a, a, a major outbreak of wildfires. And so I was part of the, the relief efforts of people who were escaping their burning homes <laughs> um, and, and trying to find somewhere safe to sleep. And the air was so full of smoke that we, we couldn't safely breathe it outside. Um, then uh, a week ago, we had a, a major ice storm. If you don't know about Oregon, it's covered in trees. And when you put ice on the trees, they break in half and they destroy power lines. Uh, so, so my town this week has been without power for, for the most of a week. Um, so I was lucky enough to get it back a couple of days ago, but you know, disaster on top of disaster. And that's the kind of environment that I am physically moving through 
as we try to, you know, share the stories of people's experiences. And so it's really been a lot. I, I think that I've aged this year more than probably any other. Um, and yet I've seen so much hope and beauty in people coming together to help each other out. Well, that is a lot, as you say, and it's got to affect, um, your, your creative process in some way, if you don't mind, I'm just sort of curious how you've, um, managed, uh, through, uh, these, um, uh, I, let's say it sort of, a uh, natural apocalyptic social events, um, that mm-hmm. have sort of compounded, um, what's, what's sort of kept you, uh, moving through all of that? Yeah. I think just the the idea that news is not adequately uh, sharing what it's like to live through these things. You know, you see fires on TV, you see ice on TV, you see maybe one person sharing about losing their house, but just the infinite ways that people have been affected by disaster um, have been a real driving force because I think, I think, understanding what people are living through changes how we do things structurally. Um, It changes budgets. It changes politics and votes. It changes um, where we spend our money and how. When we start knowing, okay, people need help. uh, Here's how we can do that. Or, um, you know, this business is close to going out of business. Here's how we can help. Um, So storytelling has, if anything else, has moved further and further from entertainment and more and more into a a social necessity. You know, I've, I've known this for a while, but even just the act of calling people and asking them to process the experiences they're going through is a, a ministry service, especially right now when people are in their homes (laughs) <laughs> you know, for yeah. for indeterminate amount of time and no one has called them and checked on them and, and asked if they still have their job or if, you know, how they're navigating, if they need groceries, you know. Um, so, so more than ever, I've got my sleeves rolled up. Uh, did that change how I do things? Absolutely. Well, that's great. You've really detailed some helpful ways of, of coping with, with what's going on. And, uh, it's really um, to uh, your credit, God's credit, um, and uh, your collaborators that uh, in addition to all of this, you uh, took a journey and you created um, some uh, really important uh, footage documenting Adventism uh, in the middle of uh, this quarantine. You didn't set out uh, for that to be the context as you state in one of the episodes, but it clearly, um, was, um, the context and yet you, uh, really pushed beyond the, um, the sort of isolation that can, um, bedevil, uh, the sort of content that that's 
part of you know the last year that we've been um, existing in. You, I feel uh, really connected to the Adventists that you portray and um, the stories that they tell remind me of what it's like to be in church with wonderful people and uh, hearing their stories and looking at their faces as they uh, laugh or cry or um, connect with family members and uh, so thank you so much again for making this. Do you mind just talking about the genesis of this project? Yeah, definitely. I, I feel very lucky and grateful to have been able to do this project. I think, you know, anyone who's seen these episodes already, they're going to have heard me say that this is a project that was on my bucket list, not, not for 2020 or 2021, for my life. I dreamed of the opportunity to do the project that I got to do before I'm 30 years old. So I'm very grateful and, and very aware that that uh, could have easily not happened for me. Um, but the, the Humans of Adventism documentary project was uh, an experiment in every way. <laughs> uh, you know, as, as anybody who follows some of the work that I do knows, I was incredibly inspired and changed and somewhat um, converted to a more empathetic view of people through Humans of New York. Yeah. And so the, the Humans of New York video series that, that is available is my all-time favorite piece of film content in existence. If I could, you know, Desert Island question, what would I be stranded with? It would be that. For sure, and there's there's not a close second. Um, so so to take that idea, um, if you watch that series, you you can you can tell that the point of it is to bring you the viewer up into the world that each person lives in. It's to show uh, you know what it's almost what it feels like. You can almost feel the wind on your arms watching it. I mean, it's just very clear. Uh, the space that each person occupies and how it affects how they think and how they act and what their life looks like. And so, you know, the opportunity to do this for Seventh-day Adventists, the difficulty has been for me funding, of course, um, because I've stubbornly remained independent uh, despite some of the opportunities that have come my way. Um, figuring out how to work alongside the church when it when it matters, when they're doing something right, sure, has been something I've I've wrestled with. You know, I am not anti-organization in theory. I'm not anti-Adventist church. There's a reason I'm part of this, and I think it's beautiful and why I work in it every day. However, there are restrictions and there are cultural norms and ways we go about Adventism that I'm strongly against and vocally against <laughs> <laughs> that make people very uncomfortable sometimes. Um, so, so it's an interesting thing to navigate on both sides, both from my perspective and from an institutional perspective, I'm sure when you have someone who is speaking out against you as much as they're speaking out for you, yeah. uh, how do you navigate that relationship when you really can't control what they're doing and what they say? Um, so I had the opportunity, um, something that I've been part of for the last several years and that's been really instrumental in in connecting me with other Adventists has been the Society of Adventist Communicators. Yeah. Happens, happens every year, um, facilitated by the North American Division. And in uh, 
2019, I think, was in Albuquerque, New Mexico. And so I attended that. And, uh, you know, one of the people that I, I met and talked to, um, you know, at length while I was there was Adam Finner, uh, who works for, he works as the director of the Adventist Learning Community. Uh-huh. A lot of people have never heard of that. Uh, it is a department of the North American Division that's responsible for, excuse me, responsible for educating Adventists. It's re- responsible for a lot of the HR programs in Adventist colleges and that kind of thing, but also about educating the the public about Adventism. So this is a not an evangelistic necessarily tool, but just a, an educational one. Um, and so I had the opportunity to talk with. Adam at SAC, and we had a little bit of an interesting history uh, previously, but um, we're sitting there talking, and, and he's like, you know, what are some of your ideas that, what are you working on next? What's next for Humans of Adventism? Really love the work that you're doing. And so I said, you know, big dreams, I would love to make a film series, but I realized that that's way above my pay grade. Um <laughs> You know, as as somebody who is largely working from a cell phone, I mean, not a traditional kind of uh, rhythm of life or or work or ministry at all. Um, you know, I I wouldn't know how to go about hiring the people that I need for that. And um, you know, we continued talking about that idea, and he said, you know, we have a a certain budget for creative projects that we get to um, determine every year. Uh, they funded the Advent Next podcast, which is one of my, my favorite yeah. Adventist podcasts that, great, that great is very one. outside the box. Um, and so there was a little bit of respect and trust for them because of Advent Next, because that podcast does tackle issues I deeply care about in a, in a way I can connect to. And so he said, hey, send me send our department a proposal give us a budget, give us a purpose, what the, you know, an idea of what it would look like and why we would want to fund it. And so I did. I, I went back to Portland. I got with my good friend, Justin Koo, who is much better with film work <laughs> than I am. <laughs> and I said, hey, is this something that we could partner on? Um, because I, I trust his work. We have a, a strong personal relationship, a strong working relationship. I work with his YouTube channel every month. Yeah. Um, Let's, do you mind just jumping in there and explaining, uh, for folks who don't know, um, uh, his, uh, very large, um, impact on, you could say sort of, um, the, the YouTube space, uh, kind of what, you know, what his legacy is there. Yeah. So Justin's story and mine have a lot of similarities. Um, he just decided to start doing YouTube videos, again, kind of like my story, no permission, no funding from the institutional church, none of that, just in his living room with some Home Depot lights, <laughs> decided to start this this project. And so he started a channel called That Christian Blogger. Yeah. And it was not explicitly Adventist. It was just, you know, discussions about the Bible, discussions about how to apply, especially the Bible to our current culture. Um, I would say he was coming out of a very conservative time of life. So you can 
you can see actually him learn and grow and you can go along that journey with him as the years go by through his videos. He's got over 500 videos on the, on the YouTube channel and just exploded. I mean, several million views overall. Yeah. Um, over the past several years. And, and Justin was instrumental in bringing me to Portland. Uh, he lives in the area. He advocated for me with the Oregon conference to be hired in the first place. Um, and since I've moved here, he's one of the closest things I have to a coworker. Nice. Um, so he shifted his channel from that Christian blogger to, uh, a show called I'm listening mm-hmm. where he is no longer really preaching at people or giving them advice, but now is taking the time to be the receiving end, be the person listening to people who do not share the same uh, beliefs as him, did not grow up like him. And basically, you're seeing a journey of someone saying, I don't know what's going on. I don't know about all the ins and outs of, say, Black Lives Matter or abortion or um, atheism or, you know, all of these different kind of untouchables in in the Christian sphere. Um, And he's saying, like, I'm not taking the position of debate. I'm just going to go learn and listen to people and, and try to get a better idea of where they're coming from and why. Yeah. I think so, his, so uh, my, I think that abortion one is one of the most uh, sensitive, thoughtful treatments of the subject I've seen in the sort of Adventist sphere or really in the Christian world. Cause he definitely has broad appeal. So, so my role in all of that is behind the scenes. I, uh, I am the story editor for the I'm listening show. Oh, so, great. um, you know, I get a three hour, a file that's a video of a three-hour interview and I go through and I mark kind of what's going in the episode so where does it start what are the very important things to include how do we make this short enough where people will watch it but impactful and meaningful enough where all of the best of the interview you know makes it into that uh that show and it's not to sanitize it at all um but but to um, really try to stick to what the person is, is intending to share, what they prioritize, what they really want to communicate, and how to present them in the best light possible as well. Um, so I've been doing that for, uh, I don't know, I, I worked on that for probably six or seven months before we ever released our first episode. Um, so it's been a project that I'm deeply connected to. And so now we reverse roles where he is kind of the, the face of that, the project manager of that happens on his channel. He is now supporting me through the Humans of Adventism uh, documentary series as the camera guy, as the person, um, you know, taking high quality photos of each person and, and just making sure that audio and video are, are top quality as best we can do. Well, they certainly. Yeah, so that's that's our relationship. Nice. Well, um, you know, it's great to hear how the collaboration is going, and um, you're both creating, as as they say, content. But really, I think um, you're um, giving uh, folks who pay attention a chance to see the future of Adventism if they're paying attention, at least uh, one that's hopeful. Um, and open in its uh, approach to our relationships with each other, 
um, the broader uh, environment. Um, and uh, so it's exciting to see what you're up to. And let's just jump right into, I've got a couple of questions um, about the series itself. It's uh, you've got a great trailer, which introduces folks. Um, and, and then you've, it's divided into 10 parts, uh, topics like mm -hmm. purpose, uh, of course, COVID-19, legacy, culture, values, ministry, and um, converts, creativity, change, and then finally miracles. So those are the topics and um, you uh, interview, f uh, you know, of several folks in each episode um, and the stories are uh, really uh, personal um, you know, it's sort of a testimony. It's like a, I'd say it's a, uh, you know, testimonies for now format in which people are speaking <laughs> about, um, God, uh, largely, you know, in, in, in different ways, how, um, God has worked in their life, uh, and along that theme and to be, to focus on one really quickly, I think one of my favorites was legacy because the story started out mm. with a couple, I think the Robinsons in a church mm -hmm. and they're kind of known as the couple that goes up to someone new at church and they invite them. And then it goes to a couple that got invited uh, or, you know, greeted nicely, invited home. I don't want to ruin the story here, but then you find out uh, what was going on at the church. You find out, uh, basically how their relationship, uh, changed and it was a beautiful story. Um, and, uh, I think, uh, you know, every church should have that plane at some point in a personal ministry spot, Sabbath school. If the pastors are yeah. there that week, play it because it's the kind of story that, you know, every church member would find uplifting, encouraging, and perhaps open up their mind to their own possibilities in ministry. So uh, that's one of my favorites. Do you mind just talking about uh, a couple of the ones that you enjoyed putting together? Uh, I know it's like picking children, which are your favorites, all of them, but um, what? No, what? I, I, I think I have definite favorites. Um, you know, the, the legacy episode is one of my favorites as well, for sure, um, because you get to see the impact that such a small decision made on somebody. Yeah. Um, you know, I, one thing I really wanted to do was there are a lot of flashy stories in the church atmosphere um, the the big hundred baptisms or, or big evangelistic series. I wanted to go to somebody who doesn't get their picture taken, who doesn't show up online, who doesn't show up in the videos normally. And and show the life change that comes from their, their quiet sacrifice. You know, they're, they're, they're just dedicated involvement. This is a, a very normal couple uh, who, who didn't see the episode when it first posted online because they're not usually online. <laughs> <laughs> I had to personally text them and say, hey, this is the thing that we were interviewing you for, and there are thousands of people watching it right now. <laughs> wow, that, that's cool. Um, so, so, and, and because I think connection and meaningful relationship is one of the key missing pieces in Adventist culture. Um, it, it, it's, it's a particular kind of connection for a particular kind of person will work well, but for the rest of us who do think outside the box, who are more willing to doubt and disagree, 
um, finding connection can be really difficult. And, and so I wanted to show just how valuable it is to just be the person welcoming people. Um, but I think, you know, the, my next favorite would be incredibly biased. Uh, I got to share the story of my own grandmother. Mm. Um, if you look at the episode called conversion or, or converts, I think. Yeah. Uh-huh. My grandma and, and really many of my family members, uh, have left the Adventist church and, um, whether it was because of some kind of abuse or because it was just extreme legalism, um, usually they were caught between some kind of mishandling of our faith and believing that it, you know, something else was better or that that wasn't right. Um, so my family has a long history of that. And, and one of the amazing things that my grandmother shared was, yes, she got baptized as a young woman. Yes, she joined the church as a young woman, but she was not converted until she chose for herself that this is the path she wants to follow. Yeah. Um, and I thought that was so meaningful. And, and just going through the other stories as well, um, Alexis uh, Duke is the kind of middle story in that episode talking about, you know, what is it like to encounter the Seventh-day Adventist church when you are living in a, a domestic violence situation uh, with, with no car to drive for most of her life. Um, you know, I, I really wanted to be able to connect with people who had stories that just don't get told often. Yep. Um, you know, or, or for whatever reason, they don't feel safe uh, sharing those during testimony time. <laughs> I think that's something that really makes this stand out. So, so those are my top two, but, you know, I can't watch those episodes without remembering what it was like to look in each person's eyes and, and, and just talk about, okay, what do you want to share? You know, what's important to you? What's your life like right now? And, and knowing the different, you know, pains that they're living through, the different challenges and, and where their hopes are placed for the next, you know, coming years. I can't, I can't watch this without that personal connection because I was the one sitting there with them. Yeah. Well, that personal connection is really evident. And I, um, the empathy, uh, that you have for the people that you're talking to is, is really evident. And I really like, uh, just on technical standpoints, of course, the visuals are, are really fun. Um, and, uh, more directly, you really let the camera roll and let people, take the time to kind of spool out their story in a way that, um, honors, uh, the, the, you know, their voice in it. Um, and, and you know, you don't yeah. rely on sort of, you know, voiceover, you don't do lots of quick cuts. Um, this is a, yep. you know, this is a nice <laughs> languid pace that allows us to sort of interpret the stories for ourselves as well. That was very intentional. Um, you know, and it was hard, you know, I'm working with Justin who comes from a YouTube background where you cut off every single second that you can, you make it happen as fast as possible because someone only has a short attention span. Um, and that's considered good internet in general. Yeah. And so 
intentionally sending back episode after episode saying no slower less music you know no text on screen unless it absolutely has to be um just cutting all of those distractions away so really while you're watching you are forced to almost make eye contact with the person who's sharing um and and really sit in it you can't multitask and watch these and and get a meaningful experience um it really takes your mind and says focus or or put this off until you have time yeah um and and i think i think that that was a non-negotiable for me um we are not accomplishing what i want to accomplish if it is just quick and exciting and entertaining uh i really want people to look at somebody and take in what they're saying and really try to see life as if they had to live through the same variables, you know? Well, um, again, congratulations on this work and, um, wrapping up here, I guess my final question is how do you, how would you like people to, um, access this? Obviously they can go on YouTube and, and search for the humans of Adventism documentary, um, but yep. wh- you know, where do you see this sort of living? Where do you, where would, you know, where do you see, um, the sort of, uh, best viewing, um, for this, where would yeah. you like to see it, um, be used by your community? Yeah. Um, you know, we have an amazing new website, humansofadventism.com that is, uh, I think easy to navigate between if you want to watch the series you want to know what we're about um kind of all in one area now very accessible yeah it looks great uh ideally the people that i see using this most are small groups um and one episode at a time you know this is something that you get together friday night wednesday night whatever um even if it's over zoom you know you watch the episode and because the episode is not going to tell you what to think it's intentionally going to spark conversation. When you watch the episode on purpose, you shouldn't be left saying that's what my purpose has to be. But with what is my purpose with my relationship to it? Um, even if it's, I don't know, but I'm trying to figure it out. <laughs> that's fine. Um, if you're talking about, you know, miracles, if you're talking about um, your own conversion experience or how you've been affected by COVID-19, every single person is going to have a different story. And so just taking this as an opportunity to talk about deep, meaningful issues that are spiritual and human. (laughs) Uh, that that's the goal is, is to get people connecting with each other in, in person, not just to entertain them. Well, I, I like that framing spiritual and human, um, Thanks so much for uh, focusing in on our attention into the beauty of those two things when they connect and integrate and we recognize the, the greater whole that defines both. Uh, thanks so much for talking with me today, Caleb. I really appreciated it. Definitely. Thank you for having me. Yes, I knew Sister White. We will not fear.